and he deserves all our worship and all of our praise in this house tonight. If we could just lift him up and give him the glory that he deserves. I know that we could all scream until we were hoarse, and we could all dance until we fell down, and we still wouldn't give him enough glory. But we ought to try. Amen? Thank you. Okay. Just making sure we're on the same page. All right, we're going to be in 1 Kings. No, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel. I turned to 1 Kings, but the sermon is on 1 Samuel. And we're going to be in chapter 16. So 1 Samuel chapter 16 is where we will be reading tonight. And we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to read down until uh, verse 13. Verse 1 says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thy horn with oil, and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. Thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves, and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons, and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shema to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel, and Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ready and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose, I'm sorry, Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So today I just want to preach on anointed. 
And so let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we will get started. Thank you, Father, so much for this time to gather together. I pray that your word would go forth tonight, Father, in the way that you have just given it to me, Lord. You know, you knew who would be here, just like Colt said. You ordained this service, Lord. So I pray that whoever needs to be encouraged tonight, that they were, their ears would be open to hear your word, Lord. I'm just the middleman here, Lord, so I pray that your word would go forth and your word would be spoken, Lord, and we would all be obedient obedient to what you would have us to do in this service tonight. We love you, Father, and we just want to give you all the glory and praise for everything that you do for us. In your name, amen. So I want to talk to you tonight about the thought that you are anointed. And I want you to uh, keep in mind that I named it anointed, so it's past tense. It's something that has taken place and it has happened. If you have been called to of God to do anything, to preach or to teach, or maybe you've been called of God to clean the bathrooms or mow the lawn, or maybe even just to teach at your school. You've been ordained and you've been called of God to do something for his kingdom. In whatever that you are doing, God has put a calling on your life and an anointing whenever you became his He had a plan for you. He had a job for you. And you were anointed to carry out that purpose. So we all have a calling and are anointed to do something for the kingdom. The Holy Spirit came to you with an anointing oil and anointed you to do the Lord's work. You knew what he anointed you to do. You made up your mind to be obedient to that calling or you decided not to, whatever the case may be. So that is what I want to encourage you about tonight. The thing that God has anointed you to do, I want you to just... Think about that and and let that settle in and think about that as we talk tonight. And um, uh, I want to encourage you to not turn back from it, to go go forth in that. That's my vision for the service tonight, that you would go away with a greater resolve to walk in the anointing and the calling that God has placed on your life. And maybe you don't even know what that is right now. Maybe you don't know what God's called you to do. Maybe you're kind of still in the, Lord, what do you want me to do phase. And if that's the case, I pray that you will seek him tonight, that you will be able to feel after him and say, Lord, I know you've got a job for me. I'm not sure what it is. Lord, just lay that calling, lay that anointing on my life. I want to be anointed as David was. And so... um, We're going to look over this passage of scripture, and we're going to look at some other scriptures. So you just bear with me tonight, and let's let the Lord have his way in this service. So anointed is the common, or just anoint, the common usage of this verb is the ritual of divine installation of individuals into positions of leadership by pouring oil on their heads. So when someone was anointed in the Bible, they often had to do with a specific role or office that that person was to hold. Like here, David was anointed to be king. But also prophets or priests, they were anointed to do things. They, they, they had the oil. Here in our scripture, Samuel comes with a horn of oil. So also things were anointed. Once the tabernacle was erected, it and all its furnishings were anointed with oil to consecrate them. So it was an act of consecration to say that these things or these people were set aside and holy for the Lord and to do his work. These things and people were meant to be taken seriously because we all know about King Belshazzar who went and took the holy vessels, the sacred vessels, to his drunken party. And he drank from those and started praising his pagan gods. We know what happened to him. And if you don't, it's in Daniel 5. Look it up and refresh yourself on that story. It's a good one. 
So an anointed person that is, is called to do the Lord's work. It is a person that's consecrated for the Lord. They're set aside and they are willing to abide in the calling that God has placed on them. An anointed person will follow after God and follow what he has called them to do. They will go with the flow of the Spirit and they will look toward the vision that God has given them. And so whenever David was anointed king here, he had a vision of what was going to come to pass. He was going to be king. That was what he was looking towards. Whenever we feel the call of God on our life to do, like I said, anything, when we feel him telling us to do something, then that should become our vision for our lives. David didn't become king right away as we know, but he continued to work toward that anointing that the Lord had given him. But before we go into all of that, we're going to go ahead and just keep looking almost verse by verse in our text and see what we can get from the scriptures here. In verse 1, the Lord said to Samuel, how long are you going to mourn for Saul? I've rejected him. I want you to fill your horn with oil and go. I want you to go to Bethlehem and I have, got, I have provided for me a king among his sons. <clears throat> So the Lord said he had provided a king among the sons of Jesse. And so God was sending Samuel armed with his horn of oil to anoint the king that God had chosen. They were anointed with oil. Now, from the definition of oil, I'm not going to go into that, but uh, you get a picture uh, from this word. You get a picture of richness, of strength, and fertility. So what an amazing thing to be anointed by. Oil, which, which proclaims from its definition richness, strength, and fertility. Something that signifies those things is a great way to get a new king started. And it's also a great way to get us started in the calling and the vision God has placed on our life. We can go forth in richness. We can go forth in strength. We can go forth in the fertility that God is going to multiply the work he started in us. So that's, that, that, that was a good chance to shout right there. Hallelujah. That is good stuff. So just as Samuel came to anoint a new king, the Lord sends the Holy Spirit to anoint us to do his will. So this is something I found in a commentary, and it just explains it so beautifully. God's plans are achieved through individuals whom he equips and raises up for their specific work. There is much in all our lives that we cannot account for, and which is due to the girding of the Almighty. We do not always recognize the real sources of our lives. They are hidden in God. He girds us, though we do not know him. Let us not gird ourselves in our own strength, but stretch forth our hands unto him, sure that he will neither fail nor forsake. Amen. They who thus utterly yield to God are bidden in the exercise of a daring faith to command, that is to claim his saving power. And that's even better reading that to you guys than when I read it by myself. God girds us. He strengthens us. He gives us certain qualities. And then he knows those qualities are there. And he calls us to do what he knows he has equipped us and already created us to do. So he has put those things in you, whatever your calling may be. I won't give you any examples because I think you've got your own in your head. He has equipped people to do what he wants them to do. So looking at verse 2, we see that Samuel had a choice to make here. Will he do what God called him to do, or will he reject the word of the Lord? And because he said, Saul's going to kill me, Lord. If I go and do this, he's gonna, I mean, he's the king right now. I don't think he's going to like me anointing another king. So uh, what, what, what are you going to do about that, God? And so 
he asks a valid question here. And so um, uh, God answers him. He says, take a heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord and call Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show thee what, what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. So the Lord is not shaken by our questions or our calls for help. That's just something I want to insert there. If you have questions about your calling, your vision, the Lord's vision for your life, if, you, if you're crying out for help because you're like, God, I don't see how this is going to happen, that's not slowing him down any. He's like, okay, well, you know, he always has a plan. So right here he answered Samuel and he told him what to do. He does the same with us. He gives us uh, an answer or maybe doesn't give us an answer and he gives us the strength and the wisdom to go forth in that. Whatever he does, it is perfect because it is his will. So he hears us and he answers us. Verse 4 tells us that he did what the Lord said to do. Samuel did. Verse 5 says, and he said, peaceably, I come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. So here he has come to uh, Jesse's city and the people are like, Ooh, why is he here? Because I don't think the prophet coming to your town is always a good thing. You start making sure it's kind of like whenever the policeman turns on his lights behind you. Oh, what was I doing wrong? So that's kind of how they felt whenever uh, Samuel came to their town. Oh, what have we done? I don't know. And so they're like, are you going to like kill us with fire? What's going to happen here? But Samuel says, I come peaceably. Don't worry. And so then he tells them that he wants to call Jesse and his sons to a sacrifice. And then he says uh, to them to sanctify yourselves. Sanctify is to show oneself holy or consecrated. It indicates putting oneself or another into a state of holiness to the Lord. And so notice that Samuel said for them to sanctify themselves. And then it says he sanctified them. So keep that in mind. Uh, This is another piece that I got from the commentary. It says he bids them sanctify themselves. They were to wash and purify themselves and abstain from everything unclean and put on their festal garments. So whenever he was saying sanctify here, it was more the ritualistic things. You need to sanctify yourself. You need to make sure you're clean and you're not going and touching anything dead. You need to get ready for this feast. You need to be sanctified. And then it says he sanctified Jesse and his sons, which they are saying right here from this commentary, he took special care that no no legal impurity on their part should stand in the way of the execution of his errand. So he made certain that they had done the job right. He he, He made sure they were sanctified before he went forward. We must be sanctified to serve the Lord. If we could care less about the things of God and we're running from him and we're not caring what he has to say, then we're not really in a position to be anointed to do the will of God. We're we're running from him. We're backslidden. We, We have to become sanctified. But how do we do that? And this is just so awesome. I love this. We don't have to go and do a bunch of good deeds. We don't have to go and jump through hoops to earn this sanctification. We don't have to go wash our hands like Jesse's sons were doing. We don't have to do that. We simply present ourselves to be sanctified. Because if you notice it says, he said sanctify yourselves, and then he sanctified them. And the Holy Spirit does that in our lives. Have you been saved? 
Are you a servant of God? Is the life of Christ living in you? Then all you do is say, Lord, I want to be holy before you. And I declare that Christ is my holiness. He lives in me, and that is what makes me holy and acceptable in your sight. Not anything that I have done or will do, only what Christ has accomplished will set me apart for your service. And just like that in this passage, the Holy Spirit sanctifies. And he takes special care to make sure you're sanctified. Just like Jesse did, or Samuel did in this passage, the Holy Spirit takes special care. He's constantly coming and going, okay, you know, you cried out to be holy. You cried out to be sanctified. And I'm going to take special care to make sure that you are. So you know that thing you've been doing. I'm going to start convicting you of that. I'm going to start saying, hey, quit doing that. You're, you're better than this. You need to go forward in the Lord. You don't need to let that hang you up. You need to start moving forward. He takes special care. You start to draw away from the things of the world. You start to cling to the Lord just a little bit closer. And so, uh, because you see, it's a process. When we ask the Lord to make us more like him, we just don't pop, turn into the image of Jesus with the purple across our, our chest and, and, and the beard and everything. He do, you don't just turn into that. But it's a process. We ask him to do that. And he, he, he keeps going. He keeps nitpicking little things and, 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 and keeping on until we get closer and closer to the Lord until we physically die. And then he presents us perfect in the Lord's sight. He's still working on me. So if Maybe you're asking, what are you trying to say, Chelsea? What I'm saying is that it's not action that makes you holy or sanctified, but it is the willingness of your heart and your cry to be like Christ that begins the sanctifying, and then the Holy Spirit does the work. There is no magic formula. It's just faith that he will do what he said he would do and the willingness to yield to what he is doing in your life. That's why it only took two sentences for the sons of Jesse to be sanctified here. He just said, sanctify yourselves, and then he sanctified them. He is going to perform what he said he would do, and he will bring about sanctification in your life. Hebrews 2.11 says, For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. He's not ashamed to call us his brother. He's not afraid to call me his sister. The one that sanctifies and the ones that are sanctified are one. And that is why he's not ashamed of us. Because we are one with him. He is our righteousness. He is our holiness. And he is our sanctification. So now let's look to verse 6 and 7. And it says, and it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And we hear this verse quoted a lot of times. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. We see someone who can speak well or sing good or has great talent. And we say, there he is. That's the Lord's anointed for that job. Or they look at, a, look at somebody else and they say, well, she's just so pretty. The Lord's got to have that job for her. We, we, we just look at her. Look at him. Look at them. They're the ones that are going to be anointed. We think we know something by the way someone looks. But God is not fooled by the outward appearance. 
He sees straight past the fake smile and the fancy clothes, and he looks at what is in the heart. He sees the hatred and the lying and the pride that can be held inside that heart. But on the flip side, man can look at us and reject us for who we are and how we look. We can be rejected for many reasons by man that can discourage us to where we feel like we could never be of use to God. We feel like that at that, that time God anointed me, I don't think I can follow through with that because nobody else thinks I can do that. Nobody else thinks that I can perform this service for the Lord. I know they don't. They've told me. I can't do that. We start to think about that, that those people don't see what's inside your heart. They see what's on the outside. They are not God. And so that brings me to, um, I just want to, I'm not going to read through this, but I just want to talk about Daniel chapter 2, where Daniel reveals Nebuchadnezzar's dream of a great image and the interpretation of it. Now remember, he had that dream, and the image, it was of a great image, and the head was of gold, the breast and the arms were of silver, the belly and the thighs were of brass, his legs were of iron, and his feet were of part iron and part clay. Remember that? He sees that in his dream. And so then... Uh, it's, uh, I'm just going to read these two verses. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and break them into pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Now we know that this dream and the interpretation of it was about different kingdoms that were going to have different levels of power. And then the, the, the final kingdom of God was the, the stone that was cut without hands. And it came and it broke them all to pieces. And then it became the great mountain. But I just want to talk tonight, though, about how um, a great image can sometimes be set up in our lives like this. Just a great, terrible, intimidating image. It seems sometimes that this image would tell us how we are supposed to act and how we are supposed to perform. It tells us that we need to act a certain way. Like, you know, you don't need to be too excited for Jesus. You know, just be excited, but not that excited. Just simmer down a little over there. You need to act like this and not wear that. You're getting too worked up. Only, only certain people can minister. Only certain people can preach. Certain people can teach. They've, it's like they're setting up this image and saying, no, if you don't fit this image, then you don't fit the anointing and the calling of God. This image that people want to set before us can conquer us and bring us down. It tries to tell us who we are supposed to be. You can't start a revival because you're not holy enough. You can't preach because you just don't know enough yet. You can't go into the streets and witness. Are you crazy? It's what they try to beam over us and tell us. You're too young to be anything for God. You need to sit back and wait until you're older. You need to be silent and learn. This is the image that others try to form you to. And the only thing that can save us from the expectation of others is a rock that has been cut out of the mountain without hands. It's Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He will come by and he will break that image into pieces to where the pieces become like chaff and they're blown away, never to be found again. I don't care what they said about me because my rock, my Jesus, he just came and broke that image and all of what they were saying just got swept away with the wind. Hallelujah, I'm going to go on in what he has called me to do. We need Jesus to come by and break that image into pieces. He's our deliverer. He's our 
our image breaker. He is the one and the only one that can do something with our lives. We can spend a lifetime trying to squeeze into the expectations of our families, of our friends, or even sometimes of our church. But only Christ has the right to that position in our lives. He's the only one that has that say. When we fully submit to his leadership and say yes to his calling, he comes by and he breaks that image and we, that we would surrender to and he breaks it into pieces. Then he sets up the image of Christ, the image of himself in our lives. And that is what we mold ourselves to. That is what we become. How awesome is that? We know we're free from sin. We know we're free from hell. And we know we're heaven bound. But we can also know that we can be free from the bondage of fulfilling other people's expectations in our lives. Hallelujah. So we're going to look at verse 12 now. Uh, You guys know the story, so we're not going to reread any of those other verses. But we know that he caused all, Jesse caused all of his sons to walk before uh, Samuel. And the Lord said, no, it's none of these. So finally Samuel's like, is this all your kids? Because the Lord told me to come here. And sometimes we can feel like that. Are you sure the Lord told me to do this? Are you sure it's not making a difference in your life? And so right at this moment, Samuel's like, man, you got to be more kids. And he's like, oh, well, uh, you know, that's the youngest. He's out to keep taking care of the sheep, you know, the most, the most uh, down below job there is. But, you know, I don't, I don't know why you'd want to see him. But Samuel says, go get him. And so he brings him in. And it says that he was ready and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And then, uh, they, so they finally sent for David, and the Lord says that's him, and he anoints him. And from that day forward, the Spirit of the Lord is upon David. And so we know that David doesn't immediately become king. But I think it's interesting that he's not really even recognized as king by, this, uh, by anyone from this point on. It's as if this event took place and then it was forgotten. David didn't receive any honor, it would seem. He did not get a place of position or authority. He even continued to keep his father's sheep. And then he, um, he went, when he went down to take food to the battle where Goliath was challenging the Israelites, his older brother talked down to him like he was nothing. And so we know that his older, bro- older brother didn't really think he was king because he was talking down. If you don't talk down to kings, I, I, I think he would know that. So uh, even when, the, when things started looking up and David starts to live in the palace, you know, he kills Goliath. And then he goes to the palace and he gets to live there. He marries Saul's daughter. And even whenever he's living there, well, then, then, then the real king starts to try to kill him. So he's forced to live as a desperado and a fugitive among the Philistines. So he's fleeing from Saul the whole time, who's hunting him like a dog to kill him. And then he's finally crowned king over Judah, but it wasn't until seven and a half years later that he was crowned king over all Israel at the age of 30. So he was anointed by Samuel to be king of Israel, not just Judah. So from the time that he was anointed to be king, and he actually became king of Israel, was about 15 to 20 years. Because we can't be certain how old he was whenever he killed Goliath and whenever he was uh, anointed king. So with David, it took quite a bit of time to see the fulfillment of his anointing. But he did become king and he reigned in that position for 40 years. 
He, he, he got to that place where God had said he would get to. So you have been anointed for your calling. God has anointed and ordained you in the position that you are in. And it may not look like things are coming together. Maybe God has told you something specific. He's given you a vision for your life that you know he told you. But things, it doesn't even look like that's coming about. Things aren't working together. I don't know, Lord, why you said I was going to do this. Because right now, there's no, there's no opportunity. There's no nothing going on here. So it may not look like you are in the place he said you would be in, but he has already ordained you and he is preparing you to make it. You just have to have faith and trust that he will perform that and carry out the work he anointed you to do and told you he was going to do. you got to keep fighting the battles to get there like David did. Keep going on and standing on the word that the Lord spoke to you. Keep going in faith. We don't have to walk around wringing our hands wondering if we still got that calling on our lives. Lord, I know you said that. I know you anointed me, but are you sure? You don't have to walk around wondering that because he said that to you and he gave it to you. He made you who you are so you could fulfill that calling and he is going to perform that work in you. And then I just want to say that in the story of the prodigal son, remember how the older brother was mad. He was mad that the, that the father had killed that fatted calf. He said, well, you never gave me a kid or a goat to celebrate with my friends. Why did you kill the fatted calf for this guy who, who squandered his living with prostitutes? And he didn't know something, though. He assumed that there was just one fatted calf, which there probably was. But our father doesn't just have one fatted calf. He owns the cattle on a, on a thousand hills. So we don't have to worry about if somebody else's anointing is just taken off. They've got the fatted calf anointing over there. Lord, look at what you're, what, what's going on in their lives. Look at how many people are being saved. Look how great they, they speak or they sing or they teach or how many people are following after them. Look at that, Lord. And I just, I'm just over here wondering if I'm going to get a little goat. Well, we don't need to compare ourselves with anybody else's anointing. Because there's plenty of that fatted calf anointing to go around. Just because somebody else is, is moving forward in the calling that God has for them doesn't mean that we have to shrink back and sulk and feel bad that we don't have what they have. The older son did not lose any love or attention from his father because the father was just celebrating the younger son at that moment. A true servant of God will glory in the celebration of another ministry and another person's labor and reward. We need to be focused on what he has called us to do, but not become so wrapped up in our own calling and anointing that we can't celebrate those around us that are being blessed. Let's work together for the kingdom of God, not comparing ourselves. And that's one thing that I think that we should all just, even in your anointing, even in any part of your Christian walk, we can't compare ourselves with others. We're all at different places in our life. When you go to comparing, you're going down a wrong road and you need to turn around and go back to the Lord. and Say, Lord, give me a fresh vision for what you have for me. So you may look at what David endured to become king and you may think, oh, Chelsea, I don't want to go through that. I mean, look at what David had to go through just to become king. I don't know if I want to go through anything like that just to get into the anointed position that God put me in. But listen to Isaiah 43, verse 1 and 2. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by name. Thou art mine. 
When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. The Lord is with you wherever he has called you to. You do not have to fear what will come or what will happen. Because the God that created you, the God that redeemed you, the God that first of all knows your name and then called you by it, is with you. And he says that those waters will not overflow you. That that whenever you walk through the fire, even the flame won't even kindle upon you. You'll come out smelling just fine, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You'll come out like that because God is a faithful God. God is a good God, and he is there for what he's called you to. He's not going to leave you high and dry. He's going to go with you wherever you go. How can you possibly look in his face and say no. How could you say no to him if he asked you to do something? He's, he's done all the legwork. And so in that last verse it says, after Samuel anointed David, he rose up and went to Ramah. And so Ramah means hill or height. So after Samuel did what the Lord told him to do, he rose up and went on to a higher place. Because remember, Samuel was struggling with what was going on. He said, you know, Lord, he's going to kill me. He was struggling with even fulfilling that. Well, now he's fulfilled what God has given him. And so now he's gone on to a higher place. When we accomplish what the Lord has us to do, we go to higher places with him. We rise up and we're able to walk in the heights with him. Don't you desire to go to a higher place with the Lord? Is anybody here satisfied with where you're at? Is anybody satisfied with where they're at in the call of God that he's placed on your life? Are you just happy where you are? Well, if, you're, if you are, then why don't you come to this altar and pray about that? But if you aren't, why don't you come to this altar and pray about that? The Lord wants you to come to higher places with him, to deeper depths, just like Samuel did. Obey the call of the Lord and the ministry he has for your life. If you are struggling in the in-between of the fulfillment and the calling for what you were anointed for, then trust God that he will be with you and he will take you to the place that he said he would. And so that, that's what I've got tonight. So I'm going to go ahead and get ready to start our altar song. If you would like to stand tonight, and if you, the, as far as the altar call is concerned, if you, need, if you need anything from God, I just want you to come forth tonight. But really, if you are struggling with the call that the Lord has on your life, I just desire you to pray to him tonight, to lift him up, and to get from him what you need.
want to thank you very much for the message. Let's give her a hand clap for her. We appreciate very much that the individuals we have in this church are willing to step up and fill in for the pastor. It's quite an awesome job, you know. He does such a good job, and and to step in and, and work for him is, is difficult. And we really appreciate the effort. Brother Randall, would you dismiss us in prayer, please? Father God, we come together tonight in your name and we've heard your word. And your word challenges us. We look at the mirror in the word, God. We see ourselves and we see where we're falling short. We see where we can be. We see where we need to be. And we see how to get there, God. We thank you for your word that challenges us. We find us sharpening his arm, sharpening his arm. Is this mine? Is that all? Is this your? Yeah, that's mine.